Welcome to episode number 39 of Everything EOS. I'm Zach Gall, the in-house EOS disciple here at ICO Alert. <laughs> the trusted ICO discovery platform. Visit icoalert.com, the most complete calendar of all active and upcoming ICOs. And I'm being joined today with the founder and CEO of block producer Cypherglass, Rob Finch. Thank you all so much for joining us for yet a, another episode of the longest-running weekly EOS podcast, Everything EOS. Woo! You know the name. You've been here before. If you haven't, welcome. It should be a fun show. Uh, we sincerely appreciate the feedback and comments that we're getting about the show. We saw more great comments on YouTube last week. It gets us super excited. gets us super pumped up to continue doing the show. So if you do like it, consider leaving a comment or just like and subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever else you may be listening. Or you can join, well, do all that stuff once, well, first of all. So all of your subscribes, likes, and comments, don't stop doing them because that's what kind of makes this video get recommended to other people watching other EOS videos or other crypto videos. So if we want to educate a wider community, do that stuff. But as of, what, two weeks ago now, we started the Everything EOS Telegram channel. You could join that uh, at t.me front slash everything underscore EOS or by visiting everythingeos.io. That'll take you to our Telegram channel. We just broke 350 members today Ooh, or yesterday. Yeah, welcome. Welcome, welcome. And there's some great conversations going there. It's like a who's oh, yeah. who of the EOS ecosystem. We have the guys from Mythical Games uh, who just got uh, invested by Galaxy Digital. We got a bunch of block producers. Yep. We got really uh, smart people from the Talos chain, Warbly chain, Mainnet chain. Everyone who's who, come join us in the Telegram channel. We love to chat. And before we get started, I do need to mention that this podcast is not sponsored. We're not being paid to, to talk about EOS or talk about our opinions of anything. But remember, as we're discussing our opinions about EOS, about open source software, just know that Zach Gall and I, both as a matter of disclosure, do hold EOS tokens. But please don't interpret our opinions as investment, legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. You should never listen to someone on the internet for <laughs> what to do with your own money. So don't do it. Don't be stupid. Make your own decisions and do your own research before you make any kind of financial decision. So let's get to it. All right. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing a major EOS VC announcement for an online banking platform, the EOS Global Hackathon finale that was just decided last Friday, some recent CPU issues, and more. <laughs> All right, so the biggest news in EOS this week by far is yet another EOS VC announcement. So if you're here, this is your first episode, you don't know what EOS VC is, it is a $1 billion, yes, billion with a B, dApp fund that's designed entirely just to fund EOS dApp. So if you're out there, you're building a dApp, you want to run it on EOS, EOS VC could potentially fund you. But uh, we just got the most recent funding announcement, a project that they've said, you know, hey, we're going to fund, which is actually a bank. So EOSVC, uh, this is coming from Galaxy Digital, uh, run by Mike Novogratz, one of the EOSVC partners, just came out and said, hey, we're putting you know, a combined $30 million into Good Money, which is a new online banking platform uh, that the people who deposit into the bank actually own. So if I go there, I deposit some money into the bank, I will get at least one share of equity, real equity in the bank. So I own it, I'm entitled to you know, determine what happens with the profits. And they're really trying to make a bank that's actually owned by the people who use the bank rather than just a few people at the top. So it's a pretty interesting concept and I think has some you know, pretty broad implications for how it disrupts you know, the banking space. I thought it was super interesting. So one, first of all, you could visit them at goodmoney.com. They are already have a waiting list. I already signed up. I recommend oh, nice. you do too. Um, but yeah, like, like Rob said, it's, it's almost like um, with most banks, uh, they, they take a percentage of the, the money that they have in it and they'll invest their profits into other businesses. Like petroleum is the example they give on the uh, Good Money website. But with Good Money, what happens is it's it's a profit distribution between the stakeholders in the banking platform, and that would be the users like you and me. And then 50% of the profits goes to um, like green, like organic sustainable causes. So 50% of the profits go to the equity holders of the bank and 50% of the profits are going to go to to really good causes like green energy or um, I don't have any examples of what those things would be at the moment, but it, it sounds super cool. Um, yeah. Like it, there's so limited information about it right now, but I obviously dug into their website uh, to prepare for this podcast. And some of the interesting things I saw was it has a 2% yield and it says it's FDIC insured. 
So there's wow. a lot of stuff that's already happened before this announcement. This isn't some spring chicken. Like this right. could be like we, we look at Warbly as being a fiat on ramp and we, we don't know which chain good money is going to be on, whether it's on the main net, on Warbly, on its own chain. But it looks like they already have some sort of banking integrations if they have the FDIC insurance. And then if you go on their website, they also have um, it, it says no ATM fees. So if there's no ATM fees, that means there must be an ability to use your account with an ATM, right? Yeah, that's so, exciting. I mean, the the potential here is kind of it's really crazy if you think about it. So not only are they coming in, they're shaking things up in the banking model. They're giving you 2% interest in a savings account, which is like 10, 20, 30 times more than you're going to get in the average account you open at some, you know, too big to fail bank. Um, but what's also cool about this is, I mean, they can extend, you know, the control of the equity holders, which I imagine will be tokens on some kind of US blockchain. They can extend that to so many other things. They could say, hey, vote on this new mobile wallet design, vote on our new CEO or our board of directors or whatever. They can really give control of this bank to the people if they wanted to. So I'm super excited to see what happens with it. I think it's going to be awesome. Interesting you mentioned that because that's actually the utility of this equity token is it gives you voting rights for the sustainable causes that the profits are redistributed to. So nice. whenever I'm talking about these green energy type uh, like sustainable environment projects or companies, the token holders who are equity owners in this online bank are the ones who determine where that money actually goes. That's so awesome. You, you, I think you play an like, active role in, in who, who is being funded by by this bank. Oh, absolutely. And I just signed up while you were talking about it. I jumped on the wait list because, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't like banks. I still don't trust banks. I don't I'll maybe trust this a little bit more than I trust other banks, but that's not saying much. But at the end of the day, everybody, whether you're in crypto or not, you still need a bank account to transact. You know, my my rent, uh, the, the place I pay rent to, they don't take EOS for my rent. So I need to cash out to a bank account so that I can pay expenses and things like that. But to have a bank that is not only you know on EOS in some way where I could vote, I maybe get a little profit from it, but in addition to that, to have a bank that is bullish on crypto, that accepts crypto, is something that I think the entire crypto community will be thrilled about. Because occasionally, you know, your account can get shut down if you're transacting in crypto and you can't prove the exact source of income. They get a little freaked out with money laundering and things like that. And, you know, you're a Bank of America or something and they'll close down your account. But I can't imagine good money if they're running on a blockchain, whatever close your account for transacting in crypto. And even they could, they could build in their own crypto custody service in the future. So if you wanted to store Bitcoin with them, don't recommend it. But if you wanted to, maybe you could, and that could actually bring people who wouldn't otherwise be in crypto into crypto just through this new bank banking platform. I'm super curious to see um, future messaging coming out of good money because the, I'm, I'm almost certain they're U.S.-based uh, company. I'm, I'm 100% yeah. certain, actually, that they're yeah. U.S.-based. So I'm assuming that their customer base will also be U.S.-based. So I'm just curious to see how this is all going to work with like the AML KYC type thing. That's like kind of the unique thing that Warbly's doing is all of their uh, users are completely KYC verified, and that's why they're able to interact with the the finance. They're supposed to be like the financial district of EOSIO because they're right. able to interact with with traditional finance. Uh, I think this would. Yeah, this would be a good test for Warbly. I think it's, it's they're definitely not required to build on Warbly, like some people have been saying, because they can just put KYC at the DAP level and say, hey, in order to sign up for the bank, you need to go through KYC. But to your point with Warbly already having built in KYC, it would be easier for them to onboard customers, I think, when they're mm -hmm. already approved and they know who they are. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, so that's that's big news. So that that came out. And um, if you remember, I think it was last week I, I mentioned it, that uh, at the hackathon in San Francisco, Novogratz himself was kind of teasing that they had multiple announcements coming out. And two or three weeks ago, we saw the Mythical Games announcement, which was yep. huge. And watch back, I think, episode 36 to see that. Uh, that was awesome. And then now, two weeks later, we're seeing a freaking online bank. Yeah, and this is something. Like, I know Block One set out to decentralize everything, but I thought it would be a while until we got a bank that was actually owned by the people that deposited the bank. So this is like this is way above what I ever expected to see, especially this early. And then don't you remember on last week's show, we showed a message from Shane from SVK Crypto, and he was yeah. teasing an investment announcement in 10 days. And yep. I don't know what day he posted that, but it's been almost 10 <laughs> days. So It's been almost 10 days. Yeah, if you're watching this, you know, maybe during the time that you're editing this, Zach, the funding announcement has already come out and you can overlay it. But if not, it should be very, very soon. So the, everything's coming together. We've been preaching about just give it time everything's going to hopefully work out. But we, we've been optimistic this entire time. We've got trolled for it many of times for being too optimistic. Oh, yeah. 
but everything's coming together and let's play the Bloomberg clip of Brendan Bloomer one more time where he's saying it's all going to come together in Q1 2019. With your company as well, how much do you have conversations with the big global banks in terms of integrating blockchain into the already established international financial system? Well, we're still in the stage of doing a lot of awareness um, with these financial institutions. As I mentioned, our new group president was the former CFO of Commonwealth Bank. So um, we do have a lot of expertise in the organization that's taking a look at kind of the technology that we've been building and how it can you know, relay over into their core banking software. So some of those discussions are happening, but a lot of the banks are still in the early stages of understanding how they can maximize this technology and to move them to the next generation. Sure. But in terms of how you're actually going to use the money you've raised so far, do you have a roadmap that you're sharing? Sharing with investors? Yeah, so we've shared, like I said, the first billion dollars yeah. of capital into EOSVC. The primary bulk of it is really designed to use as investment into developers building on the EOSIO application itself. Yeah. The first commitment of a billion is, is what we've made public. However, we haven't limited our involvement to that you know, first capital. There's no need to overfund those pro programs in the early years. Yeah, and in terms of investors, I mean, Bloomberg has reported that you're winning funding from Peter Thiel, Jihan Wu. Can you confirm that? Yes, we can confirm that. Right. Um, we did a strategic round a little bit um, uh, a couple months ago. And, uh, you know, these, this technology is really a, um, a platform that allows us to start to disrupt some of the large centralized uh, technology platforms today. Um, and these are leaders in that space. And our next plans will make it in terms of what we build on the application ourselves. It'll become a little more apparent why we chose the investors that we have. Okay. And when are you planning to release that information? Hopefully at the end of this year or early next. Okay. Yeah, so as you can hear, I mean, he's talking not only about, you know, ramping up block one, just sort of taking that to the next level, but even goes on to mention, I believe it's in this video clip, um, about when block one is going to release their own product. So this could be the wallet, it could be their social media network, maybe it's something totally different that we haven't even thought of yet or haven't even been teased um, of it all. But early next year is when a lot of this stuff is going to start kicking off. So it's no surprise to me that, you know, the VCs are finalizing some deals. We're going to see a lot more of those coming out very, very soon. And then in addition to that, Block One starts coming out with their app, starts coming out with Rex and other software updates to fix CPU and make the chain more scalable. Like it's all really starting to kick it's off coming. now. And it just it's so exciting. EOS has been exciting from day one. You know, it seems like there's always something new happening. But right now, especially, I feel like we're right on the verge of just the sky opening up and just, you know, block one news and ESVC news just raining down on us. So I'm, I'm so on. excited. I, I got a, tr I got a troll behind me. Hold on. What, what yeah. do you want? What are you boys doing in here? Oh, God. Oh, boy. We have a convicted felon oh, coming well, on the podcast we, here. We've got a convict round table, Cameron. convicted here felon. Give you a visit. Oh, yeah? What do you want? I want a thousand EOS. Rob, oh, he says coming. he wants a thousand years. He says it's coming. It's coming, but uh, you can't hear him. But he it's says not it's coming. It's, it's not on its way <laughs> yet because on, it's guys? not December thirty first, twenty eighteen. So you got to wait December a little. December thirty first yet. He's you're, he's got some time. You're right. There ha there is a time for uh, a rebound here. And right, now get the hell out of here. Okay. All right. Later, guys. Later. <laughs> All right. That was interesting. <laughs> Yeah, we got a, a lot of fans, uh, some haters, some people who are on the fence. We you got know, some haters, a couple of haters. We welcome them all. We welcome them. But to get back on topic, there's amazing things going on right now in the EOSIO ecosystem. Oh, yeah. So we've got the partnerships that are being teased all start making sense. We're seeing these partnerships being announced. So when, when Brendan Bloomer recorded that Bloomberg uh, thing, that was during the San Francisco Hackathon at the beginning of November. This Galaxy Digital... Uh, deal was already in the works, and that's why Novogratz was kind of teasing it in the, some yeah. of the social events. So he already knew about all these partnerships whenever he's mentioning that. So it's all coming together, and we just came out of the Global Hackathon series, just ended. Why don't, why don't we uh, kick into that for a little bit? So we talked about EOSVC, but on top of EOSVC, we had this Global Hackathon series, and congratulations to Gene EOS, who actually won the finale last week. Did I say it wrong? Uh, yeah, I believe it's Gene OS. So it has EOS in the name, but they pronounce uh, it Gene OS, like operating system. But my anyway. apologies, everybody, because I only read the press release. But it's they won the five hundred thousand dollar grand prize. Ooh. So this was the finale of a hackathon that went to four different cities, four different continents, all over the world, including a virtual one. In addition to that, in Africa, and then the finals were in Cape Town, South Africa. So we actually uh, talked to Rob Nugget or Rob Nugget, Rob Banky from Team. <laughs> Nougat. He's actually on vacation uh, with his wife right now, so we're not going to have him on video. He doesn't have a good Wi-Fi connection, but uh, why, don't we, why don't we give him a call? Yeah, let's see if we can uh, get him to answer here. 
Oh, hey there. There he is. He's here. Hey. Rob, what's going on? Hey, I'm doing well. Um, yeah, happy to be here. What's going What's going on with you? Yeah, thanks for uh, for answering our call. We're on uh, Everything EOS podcast right now, and just kind of wanted to get your perspective of you know the the hackathon, the grand finale that just happened in South Africa. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So yeah, the 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 hackathon was an absolutely incredible experience. Um, yeah, I mean, what can I really say about it? So day to day, well, let, let's take a step back here. So basically anyone that's been following any of the former EOS hackathons, so, you know, including the fifth hackathon, which was the virtual one in Africa, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a first, second, third place winner, as well as a social impact award and a couple of other awards. Now, this one was very interesting. It's it kind of like throw everything you know about the other hackathons out the window. This one was, um, so first of all, this is winner takes all. <laughs> wow. So, wow. No, no, no first, second, not, none of that. Just, all right, <laughs> that, we know that, <laughs> yeah, we know the teams are badass, but, you know, there can only be one Highlander, right? So they just chose one. So what was it like, man? It, like, it had to have been an incredible experience. Yeah. So, so the, uh, all right. So first it was a week long incubation. Um, so day one, you're thrown into a little bit of a, uh, you know, what do you call it? Um, you know, introduction actually. Okay. So day one, they, they didn't even do an orientation day one. You step in, you, we got this amazing presentation by this guy named Mike Horn. So Mike Horn, I didn't know anything about walking into it, um, originally from South Africa, and he is and was a professional explorer. So this was definitely one of those, hey, you know, this is like a teamwork, team building, like pump you up, get you ready. But this guy was the first person ever to, um, I guess the word is traverse the North pole during the winter. So this guy was dealing with a month straight of like <laughs> negative 40, negative 60 degrees Celsius, mind you, um, you know, weather. And so he just, you know, he explained sort of how he got through it, how he pushed past it. So everyone, you know, just uh, all I can say is typically I, I roll at stuff like this. I was super pumped afterwards. And a lot of people are just like, all right, let's go. Let's get ready. And so That's it was awesome. a great talk. Um, we then did an orientation. And basically it started essentially like this. You know, you're going to get your teams together. And tomorrow, first thing, you're going to pitch to all the judges um, that are uh, block one and the organization that puts on the hackathons called Angel, Angel Hack. Hack. So it was none of, yeah, so it was it was none of the judges um, that are around for the final day, but it was basically like you're thrown into uh, the the ring immediately, basically so you can fall on your feet, you know, so that you can fall on your butt a little <laughs> bit for the first day. And just start picking up the pieces and rebuilding, refining, refining, refining. So really what this was, was um, I, I I struggle, and I'll, and I'll say this, um, yeah, it, it, even though it has Hackathon as the label, this ultimately really felt like a business plan, incubation, execution strategy competition slash incubator because none of these teams that went through this week-long process like all of them are prepped and ready to actually now go off and start building you know doing a capital raise doing what they need to do to become proper companies after this hmm. um and so so let's see so i mean yeah day one it was that day two um well, let me take a step back too. You have most of the Block One team. So you have a lot of people from EOSVC. You have a lot of familiar faces um, that are like part of the developer relations from Block One. You have the Angel Hack team. And then you had a couple other mentors that were around. You know, I, 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 I was only at the San Francisco Hackathon, but I saw a lot of very familiar faces um, from mentors that were there as well. And then basically every day, I mean, I'm telling you, man, this was you know, eight, 8 a.m. till 10 p.m. just nonstop. 
uh, go, wow. go, go wow. for a couple days. Um, and while I am absolutely still exhausted from the situation, it was probably <laughs> one of the best things. It was really one of the best things ever. Um, so you got there on you day know, one, you get a motivational speech, you go to bed, you wake <laughs> up at 8am local time there, which who knows what time that is in your brain. And then immediately <laughs> yeah. you have to start pitching your project day two, first thing in the morning. Yep. Exactly. Wow. That's crazy. So you, you mentioned, you know, the, the goal of this, it was really more of an, an incubator, like, Hey, let's put together your business plan. Now you can go out and raise money. Is that in the cards for Nougat? Are you guys looking to actually develop this further and turn it into a real business with a real business model that can generate revenue? Yes. Nice. Yeah. So, 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 so with Nougat, um, you know, things, uh, uh I don't want to say things happen for a reason, but timing was definitely playing a critical perspective here with all of our team members being in sort of the right place and right time. Um, with us over at Nougat, uh, after this whole experience, we are absolutely going to be going out and building this. Um, this nice. is That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Are a lot I of mean, the other teams going to do that, you think, that were there? Um, this is just my personal opinion. Um, but my personal opinion is that we'll likely end up seeing somewhere like 60, 40, I think 40% of the companies from there will end up actually growing and building. And I would probably say probably 60 might, might not, but what's, in, but what's really interesting about the incubation week, even though there was a lot of competition, there was probably more so collaboration and hmm. some of the people yeah i mean look like there are just one of the things i always strive to do is surround myself with people that are drastically smarter than me and i felt like that was accomplished at this <laughs> thing because there's just such drastically smart people um huge shout out to companies like um uh, eo shield they are one of the brightest smartest couples i've ever you know had the experience of working next to um you know the winners of the hackathon gene gino uh gino s um you know they they won for a reason uh this is a truly impactful concept um and yeah, I mean they're they're taking they're kind of taking the concept of twenty three and me, flipping it on its head, um, trying to drive passive income to uh, you know to 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 the everyday person that otherwise a company like twenty three and me is kind of like screwing over by reselling their data. Um, so th they would obviously pitch it a lot better than I would, but that's I think they. They took home the prize, I think, because not only do they have probably one of the top pitches, um, but I think they really uh, tugged at the heartstrings of the judges that were there, uh, you know, sort of around, uh, you know, yeah, just around their entire concept. So you, you got to watch Meanwhile, everyone else's pitches? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, oh yes. Wow. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So let me, well, okay. So, so this is, let me, let me set the scene here for you. Um, after several days of refinement, 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 the final day was, um, basically set up like this big U shape. Um, and then basically the, the two sets of judges, you know, three and four people, uh, go around in this semicircle and, you know, it's like probably four to five straight hours of just hearing people's pitches twice. We had to pitch it twice. So, uh, you know, we we pitch it to the first group of judges, which is nerve wracking enough. And then you have to wait another hour and a half and then repitch it again and get a whole nother set of sort of Q&A and questions. Um, and so throughout that whole process, you hear everyone else's pitch. And, you know, that's that's what got me excited about you know, uh, sort of being around these very sharp projects. Cause I mean, look, let, let me, let me just go ahead and throw this out there. It was very much so sort of like a blockchain use case competition almost. Cause you know, you have guys like ID pass that are throwing, you know, IDs on the blockchain. You have uh, smart pass, which is kind of like doing smart contracts. You know, they're trying to do WordPress for smart contracts 
on the blockchain. There's a real estate play on the blockchain, you know, solar energy for all of Africa on the blockchain. So this was, you know, you had some really sharp teams, but. Uh, are you still there? Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So you had some really smart teams. Uh, but ultimately, the judges were really looking for like a, sort of a critical use case that I think they really wanted to uh, push on. So and what for was us, the judging like, man? Like, was it intense? Were they harsh? Were they nice? Um, so I think they asked – I think the answer to that question is yes, no, maybe for every team. I think some teams huh. didn't get asked any questions whatsoever, uh, which can either be really good or really bad. Um, uh, and then some teams just got – grilled pretty extensively um and what's interesting about this is you know these are these are proper vcs so they're going to ask all the real questions um and really start trying to poke holes and and yeah so i think some of them were pretty harsh uh, but but well when i say the word harsh i just mean direct and like, how is this going to work? And then you have to explain that, <laughs> you know, right. you can't really, they, they, they were real VC questions coming from real VCs. So I think they were, they were proper. They want to make sure that, um, not only is it the right use case, but are you the right team to execute on this use case as well? Definitely. Well, and that makes sense. I mean, they're asking these questions almost in a qualifying way as well, I think, because EOSVC, you know, you mentioned a lot of them are there. They're really using this, I think, to fund other teams in addition to the the people who won, obviously, GenoS with the, the half a million dollar prize. But, you know, Nougat may be something that if you guys are pursuing EOSVC now you know, you guys having already pitched to them, they already know who you are. You guys may have an opportunity to go in and actually get funded by them to continue this project. So it makes a ton of sense that they're, you know, asking those real fundamental questions. Yeah, the the opportunities are immense after the San Francisco hackathon and as well as this. Just the amount of, um, you know, community interest for, for our project Nougat and just, you know, it's something that's resonating. Um, you know, any developer that I bring it up to, you know, hey, we're going to, you know, decentralize as well as incentivize open source software development. They're like, oh, yeah, no, good. I, I've been wanting that and uh, we'll move over when it's ready. It's like, oh, um, OK. So Absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, I think really, yeah, the market that you guys have, like the market potential for what is basically a decentralized and incentivized GitHub, it's just enormous. I mean, anybody the James and Ross are two tech guys at Cypherglass have both expressed, you know, their hatred for Microsoft acquiring GitHub and now owning everybody's repos. So the fact that you guys are building something that can actually challenge them, I think you will have potentially hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people switching over to use your platform once they know that they have that real decentralized alternative that, you know, Big Brother doesn't own. So that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love to sort of use this moment to simply say that over at Nougat, we are actively seeking um, top tier developers. If you are an awesome developer, back end, front end, doesn't matter if you are, you know, um, if you have open source in your heart and and you're absolutely on the top of your game please get in touch with us over at NuGet. Um, we, we, we need all the help we can to build out this platform at this point and, and grow our community. So, Awesome. So if people are out there listening, where can they learn more about NuGet? How can they follow your journey? Should we follow you on Twitter personally, or do you guys have a, a company page that people can check out? Yeah, so now, so now with NuGet, it's NuGet.io. So that's N-O-U-G-I-T dot I-O. Um, we're also on Twitter and please join our telegram. That's where our community is living right now. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, at this point we're going to ask a lot of questions like, Hey, where's the white paper? Hey, where's this, you know, Hey, let's, you know, right. tell me this. And, you know, I just have to calmly say we are officially, I think four weeks old. We just got through this, this, this huge round at the hackathon and we are going to work. Come so on, Rob. I need my airdrop now. Yeah. Where is know, it? What are right, you guys right, doing? right, exactly. Yeah, dude. So, <laughs> when airdrop? We're when Lambo? When moon? Yeah, we're, yeah. yeah, exactly. So we're so we're excited. We're excited to really start building in and, and hunkering down. Nice. So I think I have one final question before we wrap this up. We've got to get on to the next topics. Was there any mention of hackathons in the future? Because we, we expect to see more in 2019. Are you able to tell us any insight into that? Um huge asterisk 
that I'm not a Block One representative. Um, but that being said, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think I think it's extremely likely, and I, I started hearing rumblings um, that there would absolutely, most likely, be. Um, more, but you know, of course, I don't know what that means, though. I, I, I didn't really probe further. I don't know if it means a whole nother series, if there might be just one more in the future. But I, I it would be, um, I think everyone at Block One would imagine that it would be very smart to continue doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, period. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks for hopping on with us. We uh, we definitely appreciate it, and that's a really cool perspective of everything. And I'm I'm excited that you guys are actually moving forward and doing this because we spoke at the San Francisco one, and you weren't really sure, but now like full steam ahead. That's awesome. All right, everybody, be sure to go check out Team Nougat if you are interested. Rob just gave you all the details. The other Rob, of course, it's been interesting. I have another Rob on the show, um, <laughs> but huge shout out to him for coming on while he's on vacation. Shout out to his wife for letting him hop on and uh, give us that insight. It's pretty interesting. And uh, speaking of insight, Zach, I guess you have found something pretty interesting online related to Block One. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm sick of all these hit pieces from wh- whoever is <laughs> paying to get these hit pieces published in like Quinn- Joseph Lubin from Consensus oh slash Ethereum. God. Yeah. I'm, I'm He's just, out there so, just making it rain. Oh, so I got so sick of the hit pieces. So yesterday I wanted to put out a hit piece of my own. I made my own little <laughs> meme. It was like a chalkboard. I'll throw it up on the screen, but it basically called out yeah. all of the 2018 blockchain layoffs. So we saw Steam it laid off 70% of their team, ETC dev 100%, and We'll skip a few, but consensus, who's like basically our arch nemesis at this point, even though we want everyone to succeed, but I, I, I feel like they're behind the FUD. So I, I absolutely, it is what it is. I mean, we know that they're behind the white block report. They came out and said, like, there's two consensus employees on it. They're the ones that proliferated this across the web. Like, it's, it's very clear that it came from them. I don't think they're denying that at all. There was actually a hit piece in Forbes. You guys should all check it out that uh, kind of investigated Joe Lubin and his uh, managerial uh, skill set, actually. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, up, up, I think I sent you that link, Rob, didn't I? Oh, is that the one about uh, it was just backed by his billions and nothing else? I think Laura. Yeah, but that. the interesting thing from that article is that we found out that he's actually Mike Novogratz's college roommate, Joe Lubin is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, what a that, weird, like, that's yeah. so crazy. So anyway, back to topic was I needed to go on the Block One uh, careers page yesterday because as part of my meme, I needed to know how many open job positions there were on their careers page. And when on there, I happened to stumble upon the fact that there's a new office location listed that has yeah. never not been announced publicly. I think this will be the first uh, announcement of it. An well, so office in Los Angeles. Have, well, they have a, a Hong Kong and Blacksburg office, right? So they have two so far. Well, yeah. So they, they've always had the Hong Kong and Blacksburg office. I mean, it's been well known. It's been on their website. So like whenever you're going on a careers page, you could usually click like the city that you're wanting to filter the jobs for. So you can click on either Blacksburg or Hong Kong. That, that's nothing new. But okay. this Los Angeles office was just added literally within the past week, maybe two, three oh, so weeks. It, so they have an entirely new section basically on the website is what you're saying, like a whole new block one office. So you'll have you'll still have Blacksburg, you still have Hong Kong, but now you'll also have L.A.? Yeah, but there's no job oh, positions wow. open for it yet. There's nothing that's been officially announced. Literally, them huh. publishing it to the website is like a quiet, like under the rug uh, <laughs> announcement that I found that I'm announcing now. Uh, that's awesome. So I'm always happy to news break the here. News. So I wonder what's going on in Los Angeles because it, strategically it makes sense to have an office in Asia because it's such mm-hmm. a huge part of our market. And Blacksburg's where Dan's never going to leave. You won't be able to convince him to leave. Definitely, yeah. Uh, but Los Angeles is an interesting place to be in the Silicon Beach area. Uh, do you have any speculation around what could be going on there? It, it makes a lot of sense. So I talked a lot with the Everipedia guys at the San Francisco Hackathon, and they're also in Silicon Beach in L.A. Um, I forget the what the actual name of the beach is, but it's kind of referred to as Silicon Beach, like Silicon Valley. But I know for a fact that Everipedia is there, DNA Fund is there, Ikigai, which is kind of alongside DNA Fund in some way, um, is also there. I believe... Uh, Sense is there, Sense Chat, which we just did a video, video on on the Cypherglass YouTube channel. There are a lot of blockchain companies, especially EOS companies now. Um, you know, Sense used to be on Ethereum, now moving to EOS. So it, it's almost like this little EOS pocket in LA mm-hmm. of developers and enthusiasts and funds and all these different things. So it, it, it makes a lot of sense for them to not only establish a West Coast location by doing this, but to also establish a location where the EOS and crypto community is already thriving. Yeah, and I, I kind of speculated this um, on Telegram with a few people, and one one of the things, maybe, maybe it's just 
maybe a marketing arm because LA has got some of the top uh, marketing companies in the world. So maybe oh, there's okay. some remote workers. I know to work in Blacksburg as a developer, I don't, I don't think they allow remote workers as far as I know, yeah. unless you're like top, top tier maybe. No, they um, don't. Leo, who used to work for us, who now works for Block One, he got moved to Blacksburg. So they yeah. make you go there, which which is good because they're going to get way more work done all being in the same place. So maybe there's a lot of talent that they wanted to bring on because I, I, I've talked to dozens of people who have been to Blacksburg for interviews mm -hmm. for different positions within the company. So th they're on a hiring spree. I mean, they have 28 plus positions right now. And a lot of these positions, they're hiring for more than one. So it's more than 28 positions. It's just they have 28 wow. posted, but some of the jobs they might need like six of the people for that job well and dan gave us that little nugget i think we talked about this last week that they have a hundred plus developers now that are working at block one so a hundred plus and they're looking to hire tons tons more it looks like dozens and dozens so the imagine a year from now right it takes them a while to go out and find these people and vet them and interview them and train them because some of these people don't have any blockchain experience maybe they're just a c plus plus dev that now they have to sort of bring into this world but imagine you know it's only been six months since the eos mainnet launched block one has been around you know maybe a year longer than that. Imagine another six months from now, another year from now, maybe they'll have 200 developers or 300 or 400 all working on all these different things. So it's it's like so exciting just to think about what is going on in their their different campuses. So that kind of introduces, so the the EOS privacy channel, formerly known as Shower, Coin, Monitor EOS, whatever you want to call its history. But Dan was super active in their last night, which was Tuesday night in this this case. And he, I'm just going to read some stuff that he said, and then I'll put it on screen for the people watching on YouTube. He says, we have people working on Rex, Dex, security, wallet, design, social, hard forks, faster databases, all at the same time. And he says, Ethereum had 1,000 devs working for years. Block One has had an average of 50 devs for one year. Things are accelerating. You just need to give us time to hire, train, etc." And then someone asked him why only 50 devs, and he corrected them and said they have over 100, but it takes time to hire people. I think he meant on average there's been 50, so they might have 100 devs now, but if you average it out over since like the mainnet launch or over the last year, it averaged out to 50. But right. Dan says, we have, ha we have over 100, but it takes time to hire people. An organization that hires on average two people per week has major growing pains. So that sounds like the pace that they're hiring at is two people per week. Wow. It's like that's a brand why. new company. Like, <laughs> so that's, yeah, after another year, we'll have another, it should be another hundred people that they've hired, you know, 52 weeks in a year. But it, it makes sense. I mean, he's talking about growing pains. I asked a lot of the Block One employees at the, the EOS San Francisco Hackathon, like, hey, how are things going to Block One? Everybody across the board said they love it. They're super excited to go to work every day. But from a couple of people I heard, you know, hey, it's just the standard startup growing pains. With any startup, you're new. They're figuring out the organizational stuff. They're figuring out how to train all these people. So I, I think Dan is speaking from the heart here when he says they definitely have growing pains. But they're getting it all resolved. And I'm sure over time, they'll, they'll be better at uh, scaling. So a, a few days ago, Dan also dropped a nugget about the EOS uh, wallet they're working on. You want to kind of touch on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So he came in... Um, uh, I forget which which Telegram was this. Do you know? No, but that's okay. It's okay, yeah. Anyway, it was, probably the the privacy, it was probably the privacy one. Let's be honest. That's where he's active right now. Right, yeah. So he jumped into to one of the Telegrams and said, uh, somebody asked him, hey, Dan, you know, how's the development of the Block One wallet going? That's the, the hardware wallet that should live in your iPhone, be as secure as a ledger or a Trezor. Um, and he said, great. We're working with external devs behind the scenes to prepare their apps for it, oh, yeah. which is so exciting because that means – you know, I, I saw a demo of the wallet in San Francisco, but they made it very clear that, hey, this isn't finished. You know, we're just going to show you the fact that we can sign a transaction with our face from the Secure Enclave. And that was awesome to see. I'd never seen anything like that before. But it, the fact that Dan is saying they're already working with people behind the scenes to integrate with it tells me that it's probably further along than the version I saw in San Francisco. Yeah. Where, you know, maybe this thing is ready. Maybe they're putting the finishing touches on some of the other features and they're integrating so that when they come out, boom, they have the block one dApp store or whatever it might be within that wallet that, you know, hey, go play Dice, go play EOS Knights, go play this other game, go play, you know, go bank with good money right in that same app. So there, there's so much oh, that yeah. could be done with this wallet that I, I'm super excited about. So the fact that Dan is saying they're already integrating with external devs is like, I just, oh I my it. God, I can't wait. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've noticed there's been a lot of um, just perusing all the Telegram channels, the dozens and dozens of them. I've seen people like some of the CTOs of different block producers have come in and said, hey, I'm in Bla Blacksburg this week. Any recommendations on what there is to do? 
and they're ah. they're like people that I I don't foresee them leaving their block producer. So, but they are developing apps like as the block producer huh. company, and right. they they've been in Blacksburg. So, like, what were they there for? What were they meeting right, about? Yeah. Maybe it was to integrate with a wallet. I don't know. That's so cool. I'm just like. Oh my God, I'm just ecstatic for all the stuff that's happening. But the wallet, especially like when that comes out, we got to do a big celebratory show where we got like 10 uh, iPhones and we're signing trends. Like it's going to be so fun. So it's cool. I, I know it's all speculation at this point because nothing's been officially announced, but could right. you just rattle off all of the features that have been almost confirmed by Dan or other people in the community for this wallet? Like with the yeah, so the inner blockchain and everything? The main feature with the wallet is that there's a secure enclave chip in every single iPhone that was made since Touch ID was introduced. It's been about five or six years. So if you have an iPhone that's less than five or six years old, you have what is basically a hardware wallet in your iPhone. So that's number one. Security is paramount. Boom, you can store your, your coins essentially offline, securely on your iPhone, right in your pocket. But what's cool is what you mentioned, Dan has said that the wallet should work for all EOS chains. So whether it's a side chain linked to the mainnet or it's Warbly that's separate right now but will be linked in the future, you should just be able to have your one wallet. And seamlessly, like we've been talking about so much for the past couple months, you know, in order for side chains to work, it needs to be a seamless experience where I have one EOS account and I just sort of seamlessly move around all these chains and don't even really know that I'm moving to a different side chain. Like it, it just feels to me like one mainnet. So that should be a part of it. Um, Dan has talked about a built-in decentralized exchange as a part of it. He's talked about, you know, potentially a DAP store where you can, you know, just play a DAP, boom, right in the, right in the app, right on your phone, just like you would do in EOS Links or one of these other wallets like Meet One, which is another great app. But this should really be a fully featured wallet. When I got the demo at the San Francisco Hackathon, they said, you know, originally our plan was to come out with an MVP, you know, a minimum viable product that just works. Hey, you can sign transactions with your face, you can store it. And then they were going to build up from there. But after getting feedback from the community, they basically went back to the drawing board and said, no, 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 there are simple enough wallets that are out there now from the community. What we need to do is put out a fully featured wallet that works 100%, that has all these new features, that allows you to vote for block producers, allows you to play dApps, allows you to unstake and stake, allows you to do anything you need to do just from within this one wallet. So when this app com comes out, this is the place I'm going to be telling everybody to go, hey, make an EOS account here for free, sign up. Now you can do everything right on your phone. So that's what we know about it so far. It'll be interesting to see what features are there at launch. Maybe there's new stuff they haven't teased, but... Whatever it's going to be, I'm confident it's going to be awesome. Wow. All of those features, and they're, they're coming sooner rather than later. Like, Would you say Q1 is a decent estimate that's, for that? Or? That's my prediction, yeah. I think Q1 we're going to see a lot of stuff. I mean, that's really when Brendan said that we're going to see their first products. So that's probably the wallet first and foremost before they come out with any dApps. So we're going to get – we're already – we mentioned it last week, but we're starting to get a sneak peek of some cross-chain – implementations here so yeah. we, we, we've already seen the eth to eos transfers through both bancor x and the eos 21 protocol from block producer shios but last week uh eos dice or, or did they change the name just the dice now you said yeah from bet dice to just dice so okay, dice now is the name of the platform name of the token makes it sim very so simple. dice they recently implemented a feature uh, that uses middleware, a middleware tool called BitPi. And what that allows is for USDT, Bitcoin, and Ethereum to be transferred onto the EOS network. And oh, yeah. we, got, we, we just got that news for the first time last week. And as of today or yesterday, I think this morning, it's implemented. You, wanna exp you can buy it on new, de new decks. You want to explain that? Yeah. Rob? Yeah, so this just went live on uh, BetDice on the 12th. It was technically 11th in the U.S. based on the time zone. But uh, if you can pull the recording up on the screen that I have of all the bets happening, now you can actually use Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Tether, U.S. dollars, on EOS and now in the DICE game. So the way this works is like if I have a Bitcoin that I want to use on EOS, I send my Bitcoin to this, this address, and then they mint me one eBTC, one EOS Bitcoin, on the actual EOS chain. So then that Bitcoin that used to take me, you know, 30 minutes to get my confirmations, I used to have to pay a dollar to send the transaction. Instead, now I can send it instantly in half a second on EOS and I can send it for free. So what this is enabling is like th this whole new world where EOS is almost backwards compatible with all of the legacy chains. So if you're on Bitcoin, you're on Ethereum, you just hold your money in Tether because you're scared of the bear market right now. You can still experience the benefits, the tech benefits, the speed benefits, the low fee benefits of EOS and really sort of come into the future. And what I think is so cool about this is now we're seeing other people integrate this. There have been other games that have integrated this. But more importantly, I think, is that 
Um, New Dex, the, the biggest decentralized exchange on EOS right now, has actually implemented this as well. So you can now trade pretty much any EOS token against EUSD, see the dollar value, but you can also trade EBTC and EETH against EOS on the platform as well. So if you wanted to buy Bitcoin, store it on EOS, you can do it there. If you already have Bitcoin that you want to move over and then sell it for EOS here, you can do that too. So the possibilities with these tokens now on top of EOS it's pretty amazing. There's going to be a lot of people coming out with support for these stable coins. I'm trying to look at the volume, seeing what kind of trade volume it's getting. So, do you, do you happen to know yeah. the trade volume? I'm, I'm it, it's. I don't know the, the specific volume. I do know that it has been picking up throughout the day. Nudex literally just added these today as we're recording this. So, it takes so a little while for the that. information to get out there for them to even know. But as people are finding this out, they're going, oh, wow, like now this is a full. Dex. And, you know, EOS Finex was talking for a long time about, hey, we're going to have Bitcoin and Ether. It obviously hasn't launched yet. But they were saying they're going to have all those coins on their EOS Dex. And we were going, you know, how are they going to do that? How are they going to have Bitcoin on this decentralized exchange? Well, here's your answer. They're going to use EBTC more than likely, since now that's sort of the one that's getting the network effect on EOS. And that will be the way in which people trade Bitcoin on these decentralized exchanges. So it's just... The tech here is pretty amazing. And when I saw that the video that hopefully you guys are seeing right now of all these bets happening on Dice with Bitcoin, Ether, and USD, it was like just mind blown at like, wow, this is historic where we've taken Bitcoin for the first time and moved it to another chain. Like that's never happened before. And here we are doing it. Like it, it's so, so cool. Let, let me give an example of a use case of some person out there that may, ex may or may not exist. Their name is yeah. Bitcoin Maximalist. <laughs> they only <laughs> own Bitcoin and they understand that EOS is scalable, but they don't want to own it because they think it's a shit coin. They only want to hold Bitcoin and no other coin. But yep. they, they keep hearing about this Dice game. It's awesome. All the, and, and the other games too, but the Dice are the common ones. Um, so what they could do is they could move their their uh, 10 Bitcoin to EOS. They could get trade it for 10 EBTCs is what they're called, right? Yep. And then they're allowed to use those Bitcoins to gamble their brains out on dice. So they could they could die, they could play dice. They could play beer. What's that game called? The B Baccarat. Oh, Baccarat. The yeah, most then, popular gambling <laughs> game in Asia. Yes. So they could play all of these games and just wager Bitcoin. They want to wager a quarter of a Bitcoin every single roll. So then they're either winning or they're losing Bitcoin. And then when they're done playing, they could transfer them back to their Bitcoin wallet. And maybe EOS went down in that time in their Bitcoin pair. And they actually made, made money that way too. But they're able to completely eliminate the volatility risk of EOS and only hold Bitcoin or remove volatility risk of all crypto and use US dollar tether. Yeah. Well, and that's what's awesome. Like if you let's say you made, you know, a thousand dollars on some recent crypto trade and you're like, all right, I'm gonna take a hundred of this and I'm gonna go play on dice just to, you know, test my luck and see what's happening. If you wanted to make sure that you're only betting that hundred dollars, you could just sell some of your EOS for EUSD. Boom, you got the EUSD, you're betting on dice, and you know exactly you know, the dollar value of what it is you're betting. You place a $5 bet, a $10 bet, $20 bet, whatever. But the fact that that's there now will open this up for a whole new class of gamers who maybe before were a little freaked out about the volatility of EOS or any of these other coins and now can bet in something they're super familiar with. So now yeah. they're really at a point where I think they can challenge huge online gambling sites like PokerStars that are denominated in USD. Now that they have that, it's on like the, this, it's going to get real. Yeah. This has given us a very early glimpse of what's to come, especially after that B1 wallet comes out with all the cross chain integrations or any. any oh, yeah. Even a non BP or non uh, block one development that comes out like they're not the only ones developing right now. They're just one of many core EOS teams going on right now. So Absolutely. These, these gambling games, these online casinos are proving incredible transaction speeds and daily throughput. And they're, they're kind of causing uh, the network to bottleneck. We're, we're yeah. seeing some of the worst uh, CPU issues we've seen since the launch. Um, so what, what's going on here, Rob? Yes, here's what's happening basically is that, you know, we've talked about congestion mode before. So the way EOS works is that if you own 1% of all the EOS tokens, you're always entitled to 1% of the CPU on the network. So, you know, you don't have to worry about it. At any time, you can use 1% of the total throughput of the network if you own that many tokens. But when the network's not really in congestion mode, when it's not being used as much, you can use way more than that 1%. You could use 10% of the network if nobody else is using it. That sort of gives everybody, you know, free CPU that other people aren't using when the chain isn't congested. But when tons and tons of people are using these dApps, you know, last night it went crazy with the amount of volume on Dice just because these new tokens were added, uh, the chain goes into congestion mode. So when it hits 30% of the total chain usage, 
boom, the chain freaks out. It goes into congestion mode, and no longer do you have that free CPU above your allocation. Wait, real, real quick. Is it 30%? I thought it got pulled back to 25%. It might be twenty five percent now. Okay. It's it's something around there. It's either twenty five or thirty. Um, I think so thirty percent was tested, and then there were like micro hard forks or micro forks or something going on. So oh, that's right. Yeah, scaled think, back to twenty five percent, I believe. Yeah, people were missing blocks due to the change, so people are working uh, on a fix for that to then allow us to further increase it because we should be able to increase that to thirty, forty, fifty percent mm. over time, and then give more CPU in the short term. Um, but that's basically what ha what's happening. So, you know, if CPU is working fine, it's working fine. Suddenly a rush of new people come in. You got tens of thousands of people trying to bet and boom, network puts into, puts itself into congestion mode. And then all of that free CPU, you know, the, the amount of CPU above your guaranteed allocation is taken away from you. So suddenly, boom, you have no CPU. You've used more than your allocation and you can no longer send transactions. So that's really what we're seeing now. But fortunately, um, Dan has sort of pinpointed the two primary problems with CP right now, and those are, as he says, inefficient rental markets, which will be fixed by Rex, and the inability for the DAP owner to provide CPU for their DAP, which will be fixed in an upcoming hard fork on EOS that will sort of allow you know Dice, if they want, to just pay for the CPU for all of their users so they don't even have to worry about resource management. So th that's going to be interesting because right now what happens if you run out of CPU and you're like in the middle of rolling dice or whatever, it pops up a message that basically says you have no, you have inefficient CPU. You, and then it usually gives you an option to like call CPU emergency or some other service like that. But yeah. a, a free service like CPU emergency delegates CPU, I believe, when it, for your, your once every 24 hour transaction. But right. I've been seeing in the Telegram channels, and I haven't tested this myself, but that even that's not enough EOS right now to even send a single transaction. So it's really, oh, yeah. really bad right now compared to any other time, I think. Well, if part of the problem is if you look at some of these dApps, the, the top people, let's say like the top 10 people betting on any of these gambling platforms are betting insane amounts of EOS. Some of these people are betting a million EOS a day. Obviously, in smaller chunks, they're just doing it over and over again to mine the token or play with variants where if you bet at a low probability of winning, the variance is crazy. It can actually play in your favor and you can make a bunch of money or it can play against your favor and you can lose a bunch of money. But they're hoping that it'll play in their favor with the variance. Um but because of that, these people who have a million EOS to go out and bet are obviously staking a significant amount of EOS to themselves. So they're really the only ones that are able to use these platforms when they go into deep congestion mode. Um, but over time, you gotta you got to remember, EOS mainnet has been out for about six months. We've increased CPU already several times over, um, doubled it, doubled it, and I think doubled it a third time. And we'll continue to do so as necessary, whether it's bringing things out like Rex or other things. But I guess the main thing I wanted to convey is that all of the solutions for these issues are being built right now. Mm -hmm. And Rex in particular is already feature complete. It's just a matter of putting the finishing touches on it so that we can roll it out. So I, I think one of the things with, with CPU is when it goes into congestion mode, you're actually getting the EOS that you're, or the CPU that you're actually paying for. The problem Correct. is that you're just used to getting way more than you're paying for. Exactly. So, Whenever it go, whenever the system goes into congestion mode, th there's probably a lot of whales and mini whales out there that who have a couple hundred thousand or a couple million EOS staked, probably voting, but they're not actually using their CPU. So exactly. whenever the network goes into congestion mode, these people who probably add up to hundreds of millions of EOS are getting their delegated CPU. Uh, so let's say it's. 15, 20% of the network of these types of wallets. Not, that's just a guess right I now. Think it's, I think it's even more because block one is included in that as well, where 50 million of their 100 million EOS is in net. So it doesn't really matter because nobody really uses net right now. It's kind mm -hmm. of a, there's plenty of it on the network, but the other 50 million is in CPU. So when we hit congestion mode, 5% of the network, which is a huge chunk, is immediately locked off for block one, even though they're not going to use that anytime soon. So people have been asking them to unstake it as CPU and restake as net if possible. But that's basically, I mean, what you're saying is a very accurate representation. These giant accounts that are staking but not actually using it are the ones that take it all up in congestion mode. So once the Rex is implemented, there's going to be like an educational phase that we got to basically get the message out via this podcast, other podcasts, Telegram, Block One themselves. But we have to get the message out that the, these people, whales we'll call them, or businesses, investment funds, whatever they are, we need right. to explain to them what the Rex is and how they could actually make more EOS, make profits, which everyone loves profits, by, by doing so. <laughs> and what that's going to allow is we're going to have these hundreds of millions of EOS tokens 
that are going to be available to lease or rent through the RECs instead of them just, when the network goes into congestion mode, they're just kind of like hogging their CPU and they're not even using it. It's like owning a house and not renting it out. Exactly. Is, well, and that's, that, that's actually happened as a problem in some cities. I think San Francisco was, you know, sort of, that happened too. I think it happened in, uh, I think it was might have been Hong Kong. Anyway, don't quote me on that. But it's happened in other cities where real estate investment is so high and the returns that people are getting are so high that they go out and buy up a bunch of real estate. They buy a whole building, but then they don't lease it out to people because either they can't afford the rent or they can't find the tenants. So then it just sits empty. And then because of that, they drive up the prices Drives further. The price and up. it's kind of what we're seeing with CPU now with Chintai rates just going up and up and up. And fortunately, that is bringing in more volume where a week ago, it was hard to lease 100,000 CPU on Chintai real quick at the same rate. Now it looks like you can actually do that. So there are more whales waking up to the fact that they can make half a percent on Chintai, they can make a smaller percent OTC with like a CPU emergency and keep the EOS in their wallet. Um, so people are waking up and I think over time, to your point with education, it'll get better. And and for those watching, and if you haven't used Chintai yet and you don't really use your EOS for much, you're mostly just holding it, you could use Chintai. Right now, you could lease your, your CPU for just seven days and get a 25% APR. That doesn't mean you're going to make 25% gains. You got to divide that over 52 weeks. I don't know what that works out to. It's about half a percent. But you could make a half a percent gain with really very low counterparty risk, if any. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you have 1,000 EOS, you lease it out for seven days, you make another five EOS for free, basically for doing that. And you can see where that gets crazy, where if you have 10,000 EOS and you lease it out, you make 50 EOS. If you have 100,000, you make 500. So it, it really your incentive, the more EOS you have, the higher the incentive you have to lease it out. And I think Rex will only further that with having this, you know, one marketplace where you don't have to send your tokens to someone else like Chintai and, and, and deal with the counterparty risk. Um, you can just sort of keep it all in your wallet. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. So all of these solutions, they're, they're coming, but they're not here today. So I want to kind of demo uh, the ZKS token so that people can kind of see, because I've actually showed three or four people in the office that this exists and that everyone with an EOS wallet already owns 31 of them that have been airdropped. Yep. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do a screen share here. But basically, ZKS is a, a, a token that is good. Whenever you redeem one ZKS token, it's good for 0.9 CPU and 0.1 net for three hours. So it's basically... And that's 0.9 EOS, right? 9 EOS, yes. Okay. So, and it's available on Nudex if you want to buy more. But I'm not even saying to buy more yet. Just try it out with your 31 you've been airdropped. So if you're if you're low on your CPU, if you as long as you have enough CPU for just one transaction, you can go to um, zks.1, and then you basically just log in with your scatter, and then you tell it how many zks tokens you want to redeem. Everybody listening to this has 31 zks tokens. So what you could do is you could delegate. Let's let's say you want to delegate all 31. What that does is it basically it, it it's equivalent to you staking 31 extra. EOS tokens and putting 10% of it towards net and 90% of it towards CPU. So for the next three hours, you could probably play a lot of extra hands of dice or a lot of extra moves on EOS nights or whatever game you're playing. Or if you want to make a couple trades on Nudex, you'll be able to do that. And it, it's dirt cheap on Nudex. So if you're one of those people running the, the auto bot roller things on dice and trying to mine them, <laughs> and you're, you're probably one of the reasons the network's clogged up. <laughs> but if you're running into CPU issues, <laughs> for, for right now, I, I don't know the exact calculation, but I wrote here in my notes, one EOS, which is like two bucks right now, can get you 1,500 EOS worth of net and CPU at a 90-10 ratio for three wow. hours. Oh, so wow, like, that's way cheaper than I expected. Yeah, so let's say you only have 10 EOS and you're just like a, a, a little minnow here. You could spend one of your EOS for two bucks and have the equivalent stake as someone with 1,500 for three hours. But mm -hmm. it's, it's a really cool service, and I don't think a lot of people know about it, so that's why I wanted to explain it to people. There's probably going to be more services like that this that come out in the future, but as you just have to make sure that you use it before you run out of that one last final transaction because that's... I, I think the biggest issue right now is once someone runs out of CPU, they can't even make the transaction to stake more CPU with their, their non-staked EOS. That, that's kind of mm -hmm. the big frustrating point right now is they can't and even stake more because that one transaction costs more than they have. So they have to wait for their cooldown over 72 hours to be able to stake more. And that's something where, you know, when the, the DAPs we mentioned earlier... 
Exactly. When the DAP can stick for you, whether that's a DAP like ZKS or Chintai or something else, Chintai could say, hey, I know you're at max CPU usage right now. Hey, we'll stake for you to pay for this one transaction for you to then lease from Chintai. So there's that opens up a whole other world of possibilities yes. and gets people out of that weird spot where they get stuck with no CPU and not enough CPU then to actually stake for more, whether that they own the US or exactly not. exactly what I foresee happening. Imagine in the background there's a smart contract and you're, you're in the middle of playing Knights or Dice or New Decks or whatever, and it's just going to alert you hey you are completely out of cpu you can't do anything else how about we charge right. you like a fraction of an eos and and then we'll delegate you some bandwidth and we see you have liquid eos so we want to spend some of that to buy some zks in the same smart contract we're going to redeem that zks and now you have a thousand eos worth of stake tokens for three hours and if and if the daps are smart they'll see who their VIP rollers are and they'll give it to them for free. They won't even make them go through that process. They'll just auto-delegate every every time they see their CPU running low. If it's a, a frequent user, it's just going to auto-delegate for them because that oh, way definitely. it takes all the friction away from the user. It could be all automated yeah, some, on the end, other end. Some sites like Dice are doing that now. I know where they're delegating saying, hey, you know, if you're ever going to roll this many times, we'll give you the free CPU. But it's really a manual process right now as far as I understand it. Yeah, it so is. the ability to just let your smart contract do it all automatically is like, okay, now they can offer that to all of their users if they want, or they can offer it to just ones above a certain betting tier. Like they can sort of program in how they want it to dish out CPU. And what I think is cool about this is that it's not just like it allows the DAP to delegate you CPU so that you can make the transaction. This actually, you could have an account maxed out of CPU, you have no EO staked, and then the DAP pays for your CPU. So it's not like they have to delegate and then pay for the and then you pay for the transaction. They're just paying their CPU to the transaction right away. So in the future, you could have an EOS account, no EOS staked, and still use DAPs just fine because you don't actually need to have any stake to use them. So it's going to be really cool to see. And I think it takes us one step further where we need to be, where people don't even really have to worry about the ins and outs and the intricacies of a blockchain, and they can just focus on using the DAPs. Yeah, and... So what you explained how it's a manual process to, to delegate the CPU, it is. Yeah. Um, that was one of the features of CPU Emergency, which I'll actually just, uh, I got the CPU Emergency shirt on right now, rocking it. Nice. That's where awesome. it says, use our CPU, or what's it say? CPU Emergency, use our CPU, not yours. <laughs> With a big Texas logo. I, I didn't realize they were from Texas until I got this shirt in the mail. But That's awesome. You like I said, whenever you run out of that last transaction, that's when you're really screwed because there's nothing yep. you could do to even stake more. So, and it's not available right now because even CPU emergency is tapped out. But typically, whenever we're not crazy, crazy congested, if you run out of that one last transaction, uh, the guys from CPU emergency and their Telegram channel, if you actually go in there and you're not spamming them or being too crazy about it. You could tell them that you're having a CPU emergency and ask them to delegate you a minimal amount of CPU just so that you could stake more EOS. So yep. you're basically doing it off chain. You're communicating with them in Telegram off chain, and then they're able to use uh, their CPU to delegate you more CPU, and they're, they're the ones transacting and not you. But exactly. it is a manual process. It's not scalable, but it will be scalable in the future with, with these upcoming releases we're supposed to see in January, I believe. Yeah, and I think the final thing I want to just say to sort of close out the CPU section is that this is not the way it's going to be forever. From a you know CPU congestion standpoint, but also from a user standpoint, it, six months from now, users may not even have to worry about resource management at all and not even really have to manage their EOS account at all. They just kind of manage it within their Block One wallet or manage it within a DAP itself. So this is all getting to the point where if you think of 2018 or you think of the current single-threaded implementation of EOS, I kind of consider it a beta in a lot of ways, where once we get multi-threading, once we get these new features, the usability aspect really comes in, and then boom, suddenly a user can get set up, just like they would get set up on Facebook with any other dApp. So it's going to be cool. Just want to let people know, this is sort of the initial version. It will not always be like this, where you have to worry about CPU. It will get much, much simpler in the near future. So don't worry about it. All right, so we're kind of running long. So we have a few topics. Well, one major topic I want to cover, then we'll, we'll close out here, Rob. So updates on the Perfect. referendum vote. So we, we talked about this a week or two ago, how there was a, a, a proposal for the block producer community to approve the vote to implement the referendum. And at the time, it had about three votes. And then I've noticed that a second proposal was made on top of that. What, what changes were made between those proposals and how, what, what's the status of it currently? Uh, I'm actually not sure. My understanding was the reason why they put it back up again was just to sort of reset the extension because a lot of people didn't know about it before um, okay. you know, it was going to expire. So I think they were just giving people like extra time to review it. But it's the same same exact proposal as before where it's basically just um, 
changing the official, you know, it's, it's making an official forum account on the chain so that people know, okay, this is the official referendum contract, and they don't get confused by, like, people trying to scam or, or whatever, you know. But it looks like uh, they only need four more now, which is great news, because last time I think we only had four voting. So mm-hmm. we only need four more block producers out of the top 21. It could be Bitfinex, Cochain, EOS Bixin, Huobi, EOS IOSG, EOS Lao Mao, EOS Liquid EOS, Jetta, Stardios, or ZB EOS. <laughs> We need four of you guys to approve this proposal to get that piece in there so that we can then move forward with referendum, which then will let us move forward with Rex, which then will let us move forward with all these other things. So this is a crucial piece. If you know those block producers, if you're in their telegrams that I just mentioned, go on out, tell them, hey, get on there. Please approve the EOSIO forum uh, proposal on EOSAuthority.com slash approval. Do it, please. We need it for the health of the network and for the future of EOS. I think that's a, a good spot to wrap up here, actually. Awesome. This, is your, this is the second week in a row. We ended it with a motivational Rob speech. I love it. That's great. Yeah. Did we'll you see SVK Crypto? They uh, tweeted it out. They had it timestamped to your motivational speech. From yeah, last I thought that video. was awesome. I loved it. Them. They, they had those great photos from the, the event that I spoke at there in London. So it was cool with the whole thing they tweeted out. I, I retweeted both of them. So thanks to those guys. So any any last remarks here, Rob? Uh, I think the last thing I'll say is just, you know, continue focusing on the positive. You know, I, I've moved Blockfolio. I have not deleted it from my phone, but I've moved it to my my furthest away home screen so that I, I really don't check it most days at all anymore and just have DAP radar, boom, bookmarked on my home screen so I can go there and see, you know, all the positive EOS stats. So just keep doing that. Keep building and uh, we'll keep going with EOS. Yeah, guys, just stay positive. Big things are coming. Things are oh, being yeah. built. Just because you don't hear an announcement every day doesn't mean it's not happening. It is happening. Like Rob said, if you're in any of those Telegram channels, you can go to EOS Authority also, and you can see who all has approved it and hasn't approved it. Hopefully, it is my hope uh, before this airs tomorrow night that this actually has been approved and is please, act- activated. Uh, it's my hope that that's the case. But if it is not... Please, everyone listening to this, go out and reach out to any block producer who has not voted yet to implement the referendum because a lot of things are waiting on referendum. It's been months and months of work leading up to this point, and it's almost here, and I can't wait for referendum. So we'll finish up on that. Uh, This is it for episode 39. Once again, I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch. And this is Everything EOS. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, man. I think we killed cool. it. All I right. Think yeah, that was some... great. I'll stop the Fit. camera.